It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL Newsreel. It's great to be with you today. So a lot of chatter going on. An interesting meeting at the White House yesterday. One of those where everyone comes out smiling. People are talking about bipartisanship and unity and compromise. And it's all about infrastructure. But is it really Uh, I think the uh, interesting thing that we're going to have to see play out in the days ahead is we are clearly going to have to get a definition somewhere on what infrastructure actually is and is not. And I think everybody can get to a a lot of those definitions, but there are a few things uh, in that $2.3 trillion package the president put forward uh, that I don't think any American would say, well, yeah, that's definitely infrastructure. Uh, the counterproposal from the Republicans, about a third the cost, spends four times more on roads, bridges, waterways, airports, and a few other uh, broadband, uh, all infrastructure pieces. Uh, so there's an interesting uh, debate and an interesting divide on that, but let's break it down just a little bit. Uh, let's go to the post-game analysis from the meeting yesterday. Senator Shelley Moore Capito uh, from West Virginia did a lot of the speaking coming out of the meeting. Uh, so let's break down uh, how she sees it, what she sees the conversation with the president uh, looking like and amounting to. I think we accomplished a lot. I think we both uh, voiced our desire to reach a bipartisan agreement. We started to narrow what Uh, our definition as Republicans, uh, physical core infrastructure is, and have the president react to that and and vice versa. Uh, He uh, was very open to suggestions, uh, as were we. So that's a good start. Talking about, let's talk about what our definitions are. If you're ever going to solve anything, you have to begin with a very clear understanding of where you are when you start out. So you better get some term definition going on. It sounds like they started down that path uh, between the, the president uh, and a group of Republicans yesterday. Uh, let's continue on with Senator Capito. Uh, she talked about some of the things that the president understood uh, having served in the United States Senate for many decades. Quite honestly, I think the president is, you know, he's a former senator himself. He's hes made a lot of deals through his many years uh, in the Senate. And uh, I think we all felt uh, that he was an honest broker here in terms of wanting to actually do something together that we've traditionally not done together, which is infrastructure. And I didn't have a feeling, and I don't think any of my fellow senators did either, that this was some sort of end around play. I think we are still in motion here, and that's the good news. Very important that uh, Senator Capito said, you know, this this she felt this was not a just a photo op uh, for the administration. And, and again, administrations from both sides of the aisle have used these kinds of meetings as photo ops in the past. Uh, so those that were in attendance at Thursday's meeting included uh, Republicans, Roy Blunt from Missouri, Mike Crapo from uh, our neighbor to the north in Idaho, Pat Toomey, uh, who regularly talks about infrastructure uh, from Pennsylvania, Roger Wicker, John Barrasso from Wyoming. Uh, you also had the vice president there, uh, Kamala Harris. You had the uh, Commerce Secretary as well as Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, 
uh, were all there as part of uh, what amounted to about a 90-minute meeting, which is uh, also significant. I actually think that's that may be the most encouraging part of all. Uh, is that they stayed in the room for 90 minutes. Uh, often, if it is just a photo op, it's a pretty short meeting. People kind of air what they want to air and lay down what they want to lay down, and then they get out. Uh, so I think this was more than just a photo op meeting, and I commend the president uh, and the members of the Republican conference uh, from the Senate who uh, joined in that discussion. Uh, let's round out uh, from Senator Capito. Again, uh, Shelley Moore Capito from uh, West Virginia uh, kind of brought it full circle. Her closing comment was yet back to this same idea of we got to figure out kind of what is is uh, and what infrastructure actually means. I, I think he he got our point. He understands what we think mm-hmm. modern infrastructure is, including broadband and uh, and how that not number one, how how big that package could be. We didn't get to specific numbers, but mm-hmm. also how to pay for it. All right. Also very important later on uh, in the day yesterday. The president, of course, uh, had a uh, Rose Garden moment where he talked about uh, the new CDC guidelines that uh, those that have been vaccinated no longer need to wear masks except in uh, certain situations, whether that was public transportation, uh, airplanes, hospitals, uh, and in businesses that require it. Uh, That's simply the way it is uh, for those that are vaccinated. Uh, But in the midst of that conversation, that uh, Rose Garden moment, for President Biden. Uh, He also got asked some questions about his meeting with the Republicans. Here's what he said. It's been a very, very good meeting. It was great to be back with so many of the colleagues that I had served with in the Senate. And I am very optimistic that we can reach a a reasonable agreement. But even if we don't, uh, it's been a good faith. There's a good faith effort that's been started. All right. Uh, so he did allude there to the idea that uh, he's optimistic that they can get to a reasonable agreement. Uh, but if not, but even if we don't, it's been a good faith effort. And that is good. And I and I get that uh, there may be a point where the administration says, nope, it's just not going to work. And they may go through that process called reconciliation, which is where they would only need to get to 50. They would have to hold the Democratic conference together so that the vice president uh, could then cast the deciding vote. Uh, They wouldn't have to do the normal thing in the Senate, which would be you got to get to 60 votes in order to get something through. Uh, Reconciliation allows you to do it at just 50. And so he did hint that that was a distinct possibility, but that this was a uh, a good place to start. Uh, The president went on to say that they're going to meet again next week and kind of go through the proposals and counterproposals. We didn't compromise on anything. What we did was I laid out what I thought we should be doing, how it should be paid for. And my colleagues in the Senate came back and said they'll come back to me with a counteroffer of what they are prepared to do and fund and how to fund it. And then we'll talk again next week. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, They can both come back with a counter proposal. Remember, the Republican proposal started at about uh, 558 billion, I think. Uh, President's at 2.3 trillion. So I think the first indication is that the uh, Republicans uh, for a lot of bravado about controlling spending are probably just going to spend a little bit more. Uh, My guess is that they will go higher in terms of the dollars of it all. Uh, The question for me, of course, remains How are we going to pay for it? Who is going to pay for it? And we can't just keep saying that our children and grandchildren will pay for it because that's actually not how it works. Uh, And while they will be saddled with it, to be sure, 
we have to be very careful because this is going to impact people today. Uh, if this uh, throttles the economy, if this causes inflation to go up, if this causes businesses to retreat and stop expanding uh, because of how it's going to be paid for, uh, none of those are good for anybody, but they are especially troubling to those facing poverty and the most vulnerable among us. They always get hurt the most. We've seen some indicators that inflation is starting to, to rev up just a little bit. What What is going to happen there? Uh, we know we still have a lot of folks that are not in the workforce. And how's that going to change? And will people, as some of these benefits are uh, either removed or restricted, reduced, uh, will people get back into the workforce? And will that help our small businesses in particular? Remember, it's the small businesses, the entrepreneurs that drive the economy. Most of the jobs are coming out of these small businesses. And so making sure we have the things in place that will enable our small businesses to really succeed and thrive, uh, that's the real test, I think, coming up for the next six months is can we do the right kinds of things that empower and enable and strengthen our small business owners to be able to keep things moving forward in a significant way coming out of the pandemic. Fortunately, here in the state of Utah, we've got a lot of good momentum going already uh, as things continue to shift. Uh, again, as we noted yesterday, that the rich states, poor states uh, came out again. And uh, for the 14th year in a row, Utah is still number one. Economic outlook uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, a lot of that's good management. And a lot of that is great people and institutions, civil society, good businesses. All right, we're going to step aside. Top of the hour news coming up next. When we come back, we're going to talk about the pipeline. What happened, what didn't, coming up next on KSL. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.